Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Same But Different podcast. I wish I had a theme tune that could be inserted right here, but lo and behold, I don't. Irregardless of my uh, musician friends, absolutely useless. Do you know that irregardless isn't a word? I always thought it was like I or or E-G-A-R-D-L-E-S-S. It's just regardless. I always thought it was irregardless because that's how my family pronounce it. Like Ellie says it that way, my dad says it that way. We all say irregardless, but that's not actually a word. Anyway, the more you know, quick fact of the day. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention is thank you so much for everyone that mentioned me in their Spotify wrapped you know, as their favorite podcast. I actually, I genuinely cannot believe the amount of positive feedback I've gotten since I started it. You all have very, very bad taste. Terrible taste. The lot of you. Anyways, what have I been getting up to uh, over the past week? What have you missed out on? Obviously, I was in Paris over the weekend. If you've been watching my TikToks, I've gone into like a aesthetic, aesthetic queen, aesthetic queen. Um... Yeah, I've been making like little like Penelope Disick uh, vlogs on TikTok. And what else is there? Oh yeah, Missy Moo has been doing this new thing where she... So she's been doing this thing where she scrapes and scrapes and scrapes at her litter tray. And it, it that's the only noise that literally it's, it runs through me. It makes my skin crawl. I actually want to fucking chop my ears off when she does it the scraping at the litter tray and when it reaches the bottom of the plastic oh dear god and it she does it constantly like she takes a piss and she's there scraping for about five minutes to try cover it god bless her anyway uh she does this thing now where she scrapes and scrapes and scrapes at the litter tray but then she gets in the litter tray and she lies down little chillax relax the cax she's just lying down chilling in the litter tray it's fucking disgusting and she looks like a cat who would be really clean and kind of prissy. And she is to certain things, but she genuinely, she would actually get in the bin and like eat whatever's in there. She eats stuff that's in the sink. You know, the thing that catches food in the sink. She eats shit out of there. So I already know that she's kind of uh, musty. What's that word I'm looking for? Ra she's a bit ratchet, classy bougie ratchet. Uh, anyway, so she's been doing this thing where she's lying down in the litter tray. And I was like, where is she learning this? And then I realized when me and Jason are like on the toilet, we have the, our ensuite door open, talking to each other, just sitting there for ages, even if we're just peeing. So I think she's trying to copy our behavior or mirror our behavior uh, and feel left like like she joins into the family more. Because I know when I'm peeing, she tries to pee at the same time as me, like next to me. So this is her new buzz now where she thinks that we're like chillaxing on the toilet. So she lies down on her litter tray. So I put a ban on her getting into the bed now at night time because that is gross, isn't it? Oh, God. Also, I've been reading Crying in H-Mart by Michelle, Michelle's Honor. What I already know is going to be one of my favorite books. I'm about 60 pages to the end. So good. Grippling story between a mother and her daughter from the perspective of the child, obviously. It's a memoir, so it's all about her actual life and real life experiences. So good. All relating back to her heritage and culture associated with food. It's just brilliant. Oh, so good. I cried on the train home from Paris. But that's where I got the idea for this. Um, sorry, I need to burp. 
that's where I got the idea from the, for the name of this podcast, which is going to be Crying in Big Tesco. How to make friends and to deal with social... In- no, social withdrawal. I can't say social anxiety because that seems like, oh, I'm doing a self-diagnostic buzz of the podcast, which I'm not trying to do because I'm not a trained psychologist at all. I just glean information from different media outlets and then put them in this concise little thing in my running train of thoughts that actually are kind of incoherent. But anyway, crying in big, big Tesco, I find myself coming out of lockdown and the questions that I asked in, my, in relation to the questions that I asked in my story, how did you feel coming out of lockdown? Was it less social or more social? The people who felt the same, I just assumed that they wouldn't answer, even though people were replying to my story being like, I feel the same. I thought it was assumed that anyway, that was, that's not the information that I was looking for. I just wanted to know people if they felt more social or less social. So it was said that 62% felt less social um, post-lockdown than they had before lockdown. And I would probably be in this side of the statistic. But I, another point that someone made to me was it could be though the maturing and the progression of you as a person and growing older usually does mean that you cut yourself off from a lot of people or from like, I'm doing quotation marks, unnecessary social gatherings. So this could mean like going to clubs, having a, a bigger variety or a wider group of friends, a big circle of friends, um, meeting up with people just for the sake of it. You usually, maybe you have settled down with a partner and you have a nine to five job, so you can only really socialize on the weekends and even still you don't want to be wasting that time hungover. So you've found yourself doing less and less socializing in bigger groups. You do it, you know what I mean? Like going to markets and stuff instead. I don't know if I necessarily would totally think that that's the thing because I'm in a position where I'm still craving more intimacy. I'm craving deeper connections. I'm missing my friends at home and I'm finding it harder and harder as I grow older to create deep connections in a place that I've just moved to, especially if I'm not in an institutionalized uh, atmosphere such as school, university or uh, conventional job because I work from home. So I am completely isolated. And for my own life I have used isolation as kind of a self-destructive thing. So if I feel shit about myself, if I have a lot of negative self-talk, I then intrinsically think that I don't deserve interactions or socializing. So I detach myself from everyone around me and isolate myself. And that's including my family as well. I just become very grumpy and unpleasant to be around because I just believe that no one wants to be around me. I'm boring, I'm ugly. No one wants to look at me. Uh, I make everyone feel shit about themselves, that sort of buzz. So I think it is clear to say, and it's a quite easy connection to make that from lockdown, everyone was obviously in such a state of shock. It was an unprecedented circumstances that, that we were in. It was kind of scary to be seen touching people. We kind of didn't know what the fuck was going on. Uh, we didn't know the dangers of COVID or like what it would actually do to you. We were kind of just told, oh, young people have to stop spreading it to save the older people. And it wasn't really like, this is to save everyone. It was more a focus, a focus on attacking young people to save older people and that we were single-handedly affecting uh, the rise in cases more than any other group of people. It was all 
well, I felt like it was a, an attack more so on young people than anyone else, any other group because young people would be seen as more social than, say, a nuclear family would be. And I think this actually had a domino effect on how we perceive ourselves as a whole generation. A bit of a hot take, but I think that it kind of had a damage to our self-esteem and also damaging our worth, even if we didn't realize it. But I think subconsciously it would make us feel that we aren't cared for, we aren't appreciated and some, in some cases completely dehumanized as well. And I think this is especially true in Ireland. Um, in, cause you can see it in creative fields or, fields that are predominantly ran by young people, such as like the nightlife industry, there's completely no regard for that at all in Ireland or any sign of trying to help it or give some sort of resolution. It's just, we're going to shut it down now because this is what's causing the rising cases. And Mihal Martin was like, what, what did they expect us to do? Build another hospital? Very funny. But I was going to make a completely separate podcast on that anyway, on Ireland and the youth the youth of Ireland but I'm just going to stick to the one I'm not going to go off on a tangent I promise on this podcast I've actually given myself a little rigid uh, structure for this and the first thing I was going to talk about is the feelings or the issues that arose when people did start socializing again and I think the majority of the answers were that people just didn't know what to say people felt anxious drained socially exhausted their social battery was running out a lot sooner um they found that they were cutting out like i said earlier unnecessary socializing so making their friend group smaller so only keeping with those people that they have a deep connection with so it's kind of like they don't have to build deeper connections with the people it is more so like the socializing comes easy or not more naturally not that that's a bad thing or a good thing I don't think that having friends that you don't really have that much of a deeper connection with, I don't see, would see, I wouldn't see that personally as unnecessary or a waste of time. I just think that is a different type of friendship. And you can, if there's always room for improvement and always room to learn more about that person, I think it's an opportunity to make a close friend. I don't think that it's like a waste of time. Um, but anyway, that's another thing I'll talk about. Uh, people have felt left out in big groups, overwhelmed. They find it much easier to say no to social situations uh, or social offerings. Feelings of more of more feeling more lonely, insecure. Compare as well. I found that I compare myself a lot more when I leave the house. You know, when you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I look absolutely great. I look so fucking good. I would fuck myself if I could. Your outfits, like your favorite outfit you've ever worn, you're feeling comfortable. Uh, it suits your body. The colors are flattering. But then once you leave the house, someone next to you on the tube is like wearing something more expensive or it's like trendier or whatever. And then all of a sudden you feel shit about yourself because what you're doing there is you're not appreciating that beauty for what it is. You're just comparing yourself. And I found that really, really hard coming out of lockdown because the majority of the time when I was locked down, I would routinely deactivate all my social media accounts so they could give myself a dopamine fast and I could give myself a breather from comparing myself to other people and then once I come back to social media I can compartmentalize what I'm comparing myself to and what's actually real and what isn't whereas when you're in the real world when you're actually leaving your house and seeing people face to face you get to see real authentic beauty it's not airbrushed there's no filter on it and then you cannot justify the feelings of insecurities that you feel or your 
lowered self-esteem by comparing yourself you there's no way around that it is actually there for what it is and what I find much much harder because I I can go on social media and see like stick thin models who are so beautiful and just be like they're so hot um but not feel bad about myself afterwards because I think some part one part of me is like oh I want to have sex with them because I'm pansexual and the other part of me is like oh this probably isn't even a real photo you know like it's their good angle it has a filter because I know how I how good I can make myself look when I don't necessarily feel that good but I can make myself look good if I really try but in real life when you're actually face to face and comparing yourself to other people you're like Jesus fucking Christ I don't know what to think now do you know? Um, so I found that really hard when I was going into the real world. I found that I was uncomfortable in my skin because the majority of when I work from home and I'm like spending time just on my on my own, I'm only, I'm predominantly just in tracksuits. So then you're not really coming face to face what your body looks like. I went ages without actually knowing the shape of my body or like what size I am you know I think I actually changed size obviously over the if you're in your early 20s over the course of a year you probably are bound to change the size whether that's up or down it doesn't matter but your size does fluctuate especially as a woman depending on your hormones and what you're eating how much you're exercising and you know in the winter months if you're exercising less or eating more you're obviously going to change size and I think that's something that I did not register with myself because I was wearing just, Jesus, this is supposed to be, I am going on a tangent. This is nothing to, ah, no, it, it is something to do with socializing. Um, everything is connected to each other. So anyway, so I was only in suit, in fucking tracksuits. And then when I got into actual clothes, well, like tracksuits are actual clothes, but you know what I mean? I got in like daytime wear. Uh, I would be so uncomfortable. I literally would have the big, I have a hunchback already because I naturally slouch and I remember being in musical theatre and all of my any teacher I've ever had was like you need to stand up straight because it's like putting everyone off but it's because my titties my tatas are so big that it's like weigh, it weighs me down and I know it would actually help my back if I made a conscious effort to sit up straight and stand up straight and it would strengthen my back's muscles so it doesn't hurt as much but I just I can't do it it's just not in my nature I'm I'm just one of those people I'm a sloucher I just am a natural sloucher and I think maybe that people probably don't expect that from me I think it's a bit of my, one of my unique traits uh so if you've ever met me in your life you people usually say that I, they're I'm shorter than they expected and it is probably just because I'm losing about three inches from slouching Anyway, and I like, you know, those, uh, those memes where it's like when you think you're real sexy versus what you actually look like from the side and you're like slouching at the dinner table. That's me. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I found that comparison was really affecting my ability. Uh, well, it was inhibiting me, my social battery. And I think that I was finding myself comparing my, uh, I was comparing myself to the point where I would need to drink to relax and to stop thinking about it. Uh, but I, now I am making a more con conscious effort. It, it is possible to just appreciate beauty then when you see it for what it is or feel like you're inspired by it rather than you were hurt by it or it, nothing, it, it doesn't need, you don't need to weigh up your own worth against someone else when you find something else beautiful or you think that something looks nice. You, it's not like their lovability is much larger than yours. I'm sure that you have very great redeemable qualities that people can't see from the exterior and you shouldn't be basing everything off of aesthetics and what you look like anyway but obviously because that's the first impression you're giving if you are trying to make friends it's hard not to focus on that um but if you let go of that what people actually 
first notice is not the actual physical things that you're wearing it's not the makeup that you're wearing but it is just the general energy that you're giving off I love someone who just looks clean who has a look of about them that is clean I love someone who has a smile on their face it makes them seem more approachable and friendly so the person who was like to me that I was comparing myself with like had a nicer outfit on than me this is subjective by the way. I probably had a great, maybe they were saying the same thing in their head. I will never know. Anyway, and I'm one of those psychopaths on the tube who like looks people up and down without any shame. I'm a th- I think I actually am a starer. I think I've realized because I loved going to France because I was like, oh, Europeans don't care. You can stare like for however long as you want because they do it back to you. Where I just do that anyway. Like I was saying that, but like I do that here anyway. Even I know UK is part of Europe, but you know what I mean? It's not like, central europeans proper you know starers like shameless starers and i don't like when people stare at me because i'm like oh my god they're judging me but when i stare at people i'm like appreciate i'm soaking them all in do you know what i mean i just i like looking at people anyway that was a tangent what was i saying um oh yeah so the person could have had oh my god sorry that person could have had a nicer outfit on to me compare in compared to me but what actually what I was seeing was maybe like they were wearing more colors that's what I usually figure out after thinking about a lot because I am an overthinker and after running it through in my head I'm like they didn't objectively have a nicer or better outfit than me it's literally just because they were wearing brighter colors so next time maybe I'll wear brighter colors and I'll feel better about myself do you know what I mean it's like little things like that that you're not really paying attention to why you're feeling a certain way you're just like they're better than me I feel shit and then that's it it's obviously a lot more complex than that and you have to rethink it over and be like why am I feeling like that and how can I make it go away you have to is it a rational thought that I'm having or is it irrational is it reactive to me just being outside more because I again like I said one of my acts of self-destruction is isolating myself because I feel like I don't deserve the outside world and then in turn, I become scared of environments uh, that I'm uncomfortable or that are unknown to me if I'm on my own. So then I find I'm leaving the house less and less unless I'm like with someone. And that obviously is not good for a social being like a human. Um, So if you are feeling the same, that's one of the things that people said anyway. That was just one point that I was... Jesus, okay. Next one that someone said, the feelings or issues that arose uh, from socialising post-lockdown was a lower social battery. These are only the negative things as well. People did say positive things, like they felt more alive, exhilarated, happier. But it's just because the majority of people felt they were less social and that's what the theme of this podcast is. So I'm not disregarding all the other contributions that people made if you are a very social person and are able to hack it, I'm very jealous and I'm very proud of you that you are able to do that. But this is just for the people who feel a bit lonely and socially inept after the lockdown, like myself. Anyway, okay, so another thing was that people felt suffocated and there was a lack of meaningful conversations. I find this as well, like so much. I find I'm going into a conversation, I'm seeing friends that I'm even comfortable with that I love and then I'm coming face to face with them and I'm just like, what did you do today? And then I'm rambling so much because when I start to feel anxious, I'm trying to fill in all the gaps and I'm like, I don't want this person to think I'm boring and them to realize how much of a snooze fest I am. So I'm just going to ramble on and continue and continue talking. But then as well, you're not really listening to what the other person is saying and you're just, you end up talking about absolutely nothing. Like me talking about Missy Moo for the 80% of my life now. It's literally it. She's just a talking point at this stage. 
She's not even an animal companion. She's not a pet. She's just like something to talk about. And that, like, you know, what would me and Jason talk about if we didn't have Missy Moo? I'm only joking. We have many other things to talk about, like Drag Race and uh, what else do we talk about? That's probably it, to be honest. I'm joking. Anyway. Uh, yeah, people feel boring or that they don't have anything to com- contribute to the conversation. People are feeling imposter syndrome. Uh, a lot of people said they were less tolerant and patient and they found that they were way more irritable around people. Uh, I didn't have an experience this, to be honest. I, I think I have uh, narrowed down the characteristics or the qualities I w- would want in a friendship, which I think is a good thing to know because... Sometimes you can create friendships just because for the need of in- intimacy and then you realise after a while that you don't actually like the person then it's harder to get out of it and you end up like hurting feelings or whatever. Now, mine are probably more straightforward. It's literally just like, don't be an abuser or like, don't enable abusers, um, which you would actually, it's actually not as common as you think that people value those uh, as qualities in people, uh, especially in Dublin. I don't understand. Oh, actually, no, a lot of people, but no, the people in London are Irish that I'm thinking of. There's a lot of times where people acknowledge their friends' inappropriate behaviours or illegal behaviours, as in like uh, SV or abusive behaviours, and they're just like, oh yeah, they feel bad though. You know what I mean? And there's something that just doesn't sit right with me there, where it's got it got to the stage where I would be like, purposely leaving groups to get away from this sort of thing because maybe I just haven't I don't have the same thought process as these people and I just don't understand it maybe they have more empathy for both sides like Ellie my sister who's a lawyer would be able to see from both point of point of views there and she's like well if there's no sort of restorative justice and how can we progress as humanity you know you have to allow people room to improve and to get forgiveness but like if people aren't apologizing to begin with, I don't get how they could be forgive, forgiven, you know? Anyway, that's a whole nother thing that we can talk about in a different podcast. Uh, um, uh, and what else? Oh yeah, social withdrawal from BPD, um, also neurodivergence. So with autism and also I found a lot of social withdrawal from my own personal experience, if you are running low on dopamine because if you have ADHD, you're kind of addict, you are a dopamine addict, which is why um, you can take part in a lot of impulsive behaviors. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Sorry, um, what was I saying there? That was Reese, my like best friend who just moved to London. Handy. I'm like, another excuse for me not to go out of my comfort zone. <laughs> like, I'm like, just getting my best friends to move over to me so I don't have to do any extra work. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, with ADHD. So impulsive behaviors, dopamine addiction. Um, so when you run out of dopamine or you're not stimulated enough, like for example, uh, during lockdown, if you weren't stimulating enough, that's why I have to do the dopamine fasting thing where I have to deactivate my social media accounts. Otherwise I literally would just... Um, it will just spiral. And another thing with dopamine is like, it's anything to do with instant gratification. So that could be shopping, masturbating, um, scrolling on social media, eating loads of junk food, even though it tastes nice in the moment, but it's going to make you feel sick later. It's that sort of thing. It's like, uh, how else can I describe it? So then anyway, when you're in lockdown, 
you're not getting stimulated, you're not getting socially stimulated enough. So you kind of adjust to that or acclimatize to that being like, okay, I'm not going to get my dopamine from socializing. So I have to do it in other ways. So then you're so used to it that once you actually do go out uh, and try to socialize with people, your social battery runs out so, so fast that you're like overwhelmed and suffocated. And then because you're not actually reaching your intimacy needs, it's going to cause, it can cause depression and lower dopamine as well can be a cause, a leading cause of depression too. So us ADHD kids, it's really hard. It's, it's actually hard out here. It do be getting hard out here. Uh, so that's why I had to start the L microdosing work to charm anyway, but you can do it, you can do it in a lot of different ways without having to medicate yourself, even though that is some option, that is an option for some people, but you can do it in other ways. Um, other people said that they were intentional about who they spend their time with. And I thought of the kind of, is the word analogy? Yeah. The analogy of your first day of primary school. So say you've been going to the same daycare center for the past three or four years, or you've been doing, uh, daycare at home. I personally, I went to three or four different daycares or preschools. What are they called? Montessori, Montessori, Jesus, I I turned very Americana there for a sec. Yeah, I went to a few different Montessoris. Um, I think, yeah, probably about three or four because we, you know, yeah, it has to be in your catchment area. And during that period, my parents like kept moving house because I think the house they bought was getting done up. So we were like renting. Anyway, but then by the time the primary school came around, I was kind of used to uh, moving. But for some reason, when you start primary school, your parents are like, they're kind of acting as if it's it's this big monumental moment and uh, they're leaving you off and then you see that other kids are getting left uh, left off by their parents other kids are starting to cry and you're like wait a minute maybe I should be upset too what the fuck is going on here are we all about to get murdered is that what's going on the teacher's evil we're getting indoctrinated into some sort of cult here. Um, so I remember my first day of school very vividly. My, I remember my dad dropping me off. My mom couldn't make it that day. And I was like, where the fuck is mom? How come she's not here? Because she, I think she usually brought me to play school. Um, so my dad dropped me off. And then I saw people behind. I didn't know anyone in my class. Not one person. You know the way sometimes you have people from uh, play school that go into primary school with them and you recognize them and you're like oh I know them like there's Rocco my sister uh, Cora has this friend Rocco I think who went who goes to her primary school now and she was married to him for a while but now she has a new boyfriend but that's a story for a different day Cora you absolute man-eater um so anyway I remember looking around I was a really really shy like uh I used to nibble at my skin and I had this condition where I used to pick at my scabs on my face, which would then create more scabs. And I would pick at my hair. I would always have like hair over my front eyebrow. This all changed now when I turned to about eight or nine, you know, when, oh, I was an absolute tyrant. But when I was very young, very, very shy. So I would kind of just copy what other kids were doing to make myself feel like I was, I knew what was going on or I felt more included then. And I was like, okay, maybe I don't seem like such a freak now. So I was looking around to the other kids and everyone was freaking, screaming at the top of their lungs, screaming. But then I heard a girl next to me say to a girl next to her being like, hey, I think we're in the same housing estate. And then all of a sudden I was like, they know each other and they're calm. And I was like, I feel so much more relaxed now. So I think that's what's going on now with, um, Jesus, that was a shit analogy, was it? 
Anyway, when you're leaving lockdown, you're f- everyone else is freaking out. Everyone socially inept and doesn't know how to communicate with each other. But then when you kind of get more comfortable and you can see how other people are communicating and you can see how they're interacting with each other, maybe they're old, they found one thing of a common ground, very emotionally intelligent for whoever that girl was. I think I ended up being friends with her for a while. Anyway... You, you can see how other people are interacting with each other. They, they found commonality, similarities between each other. And that's how they started a conversation. And then that in turn makes you feel calmer because you're like, okay, this is giving me the same social tools that I can use myself. And I can integrate that into my own life. Oh my God, that was so good. What? Keelan, what? Anyway. Okay, so... um. What, uh, a few of the negatives or negative effects that social withdrawal has, um, aside from obviously feelings of loneliness and exclusion, but how other people then perceive you, because I think a lot of the time there is a lot of misconceptions about people who have social anxiety, people who are affected by their mental health or their circumstances, and then which uh, causes them to socially withdrawal. And a lot of times people can see that as being lazy, uh, being stuck up, being social, uh, actually being socially inept, being like, oh, they don't like me anymore. I'm not going to try with them anymore. When a lot of times the reason why people withdrawal is to do with themselves and not actually to do with the people that are wanting to socialize with them. And I know personally, I suffer... Um, one of the things, uh, I think people without ADHD can experience this too, but I think it is very common among people who do have ADHD is rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And I love giving stuff labels. Nothing better giving stuff a label. Anyway, so because I suffer with this, if I, I don't really, I'm not the person to reach out to people more, it takes me a lot, a lot, a lot of strength to do that. God bless me. I told Jason I loved him first, even though there was no inkling of him having feelings for me. What the fuck? And I think I got so much confidence from that. I was kind of on a... I was kind of on a good, positive trajectory after that with my whole, like, putting myself out there after he reciprocated his feelings after a few days. Uh, Now, I was... There was a period where he, like, did not talk to me because he had to figure out his feelings. God bless me. I was in ribbons. Anyway... So I have this thing where I find it really, really hard to put myself out there first. I find it hard to ask people to meet up with me, to go for coffee, even people who are I'm really, really close friends with. I still find it really hard to be emotionally open with my friendships. I am with my, say, my really, really close family and sisters. Like, But even still, when me and Ellie say we miss each other, I'm like, miss you, bro. And she's like, miss you too. And I think she says it first more than me as well. But anyway, I find it really hard to be uh, emotionally open in terms of like our relationship. I don't find it, I don't find it hard to be emotionally relationship about my own life. Say like if I'm having trouble with my family or in my relationships, I find that easy to communicate to my close friends and family. But I find it really hard to acknowledge the depth of our own relationship between each other in the conversation. So I, I find it hard to be like, I miss you. I, I, yeah, you know what I mean? I can't just tell my friends that I miss them in Dublin. And I wrote that poem thing being like, uh, dear dad, uh, which was, I get, I got loads of, everyone seemed to really like it. I got loads of feedback. I might read it again one day, but I kind of have to edit it because 
there was a bit of conflict there, a bit of friction there between me and my dad for a while. So I had to take it down. But um, where was I going with this? Yeah, I find it really hard to emotionally connect with the person that I'm talking to. But I'm, I find it very easy to be vulnerable in every other aspect of my life. And I think that does affect or inhibit the depth at which my relationships can go. It, it has to kind of, uh, Reese has always said it and he always says it, wait now, and he always says it to other people as well. He says that our friendship has like transcended an actual friendship to the point where we're like siblings. If we fight, it's literally like we're, we're going to bicker and then get over it in half an hour. Uh, you know, that sort of, and it's like, we don't need to tell each other that we love and miss each other all the time. It's because it's assumed because we're treated, we treat each other like we're blood relatives. I, I did go on a little tangent there. Um, so I'm just going to go on to what people said of why it was so difficult to make friends or why people find it difficult to make friends. And someone said people can be stuck up. And I think, again, one of the misconceptions of people who are socially withdrawn or maybe are a bit shyer or introvert, introverted is that people assume that they're stuck up. I don't know anyone who's genuinely stuck up or I don't know anyone who I assumed to be stuck up firsthand ended up actually being very extroverted. It's usually just that they're kind of reserved and a bit more shy than last than the, than me um, or that they have a resting bitch face or shit like that. I don't actually know anyone who's genuinely thinks that they're better than anyone and acts like that in social gatherings. I think it is quite rare. Obviously it, it does exist, but I think that is quite rare and something that people need to let go of and to have a more positive mindset when they are putting themselves out there to make friends. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have thought that I was stuck up when I've been like fucking shy in so on social, social gatherings. And then when I get a few drinks into me, everyone's like, wait a minute, what? Do you know what I mean? A few margaritas and my top's off and I was dancing on the table. That was a real like drunk auntie thing to say. Dancing on the table, so after a few margies. Um, now, I did experience a few times being at events in London. So this is something that I've obviously never experienced in my whole social media influencer world um not to be like I don't want to detach myself and be like I'm not like the other influencers because I don't think I'm that far off I think I am very similar to a lot of people I think everyone in the world has similarities in some way and it is like kind of um it's counterproductive to automatically uh disconnect yourself with the people around you or find the differences between you between you instead of like looking at the straight similarities and I think that's something I used to do very much in my early 20s it was like to crave that sense of uniqueness or individuality complex to feed your ego to be like I'm so different an alternative whereas like you might be against the status quo you might be against like what society is telling you to be like but at the same time you are very similar to the people next to you and the people that surround you especially from where you grow up grow up a lot of the times you are similar and you shouldn't be cutting yourself off from people like that you should be trying to find similarities and to connect with people anyway what was I how did I get onto that Oh yeah, so there has been situations where I've been in, um, I've been at events in London and a lot of the times I think there is a difference in friendliness, I'd say, between Dublin people and London people. A lot of times Irish people, in the same way New York, New Yorkians, do you say New Yorkans or New York? Anyway, people from New York would be very like, 
in your face going up to you very friendly everyone's like you know welcome to Ireland why am I putting on an Irish accent when I'm Irish anyway I, I listened to a podcast the other day and they were like hello to all our Irish n- listeners top of the morning and I had to instantly turn it off I was so offended and now I'm just like doing it in my own podcast to my own people it makes no sense anyway um so I was at these events and yeah I, th- I do think there's a huge difference in friendliness but obviously not in authenticity or like niceness or kindness in people it's just like the way we approach people is different especially in London when a lot of people value anonymity and they want to be left alone and to kind of just like go about their day without interacting with anyone a lot of people want that whereas it can be very isolating and lonely for people especially Irish people who move to London but anyway I was going to these events and I remember seeing people that we both follow on Instagram it's not like I'm so deluded that I'd go up to someone with a million followers that I recognize and I'm like hey and expect them to act like my best friend I know there's a huge disconnect between that and there's a disparity in the amount in the amount that I know about them and they know about me so it's like a self a level of self-awareness that you have when when approaching people you can't expect people like that to just automatically be your friend or like to automatically warm up to you just because you know more about them than they know about you but I do have a good few people who I'd see at these events and I'm like we both follow each other on Instagram we have the the same amount of like social traction if that makes sense so it's not like there's a huge disparity in how much we know about each other or a huge disparity of like not that you can be stuck up the more followers you have but like you could kind of understand that if someone had 10 times the amount of followers than you you'd be like oh they might be have their wits about them and be more reserved than the other than the next person because it'd be like people they might assume that people are trying to use them for their social following but when you're in a situation where people have the same amount of um it's it's so like fucking archaic to be talking about followers um or sorry not archaic I mean super so superficial to be talking about followers but it is relevant to my life and how I socially interact with people at these events anyway so there would be people there with like the same amount of followers but I would go up and be like oh hey it's so nice to meet you in real life and I literally had one point at one point at one of these events I saw a girl I smiled at her and I was like hey and she turned her head now me with the rejection sensitivity dysphoria oh my god and it was a free bar good night oh my god blackout a total blackout uh it was like the worst experience of my whole life and uh, maybe that's me having a big ego and being like oh she should have said hi to me because she follows me back but it was like I didn't register that maybe she could have been shy or it, it caught her off guard because then the same person texted me like a week later being like congrats on your engagement and all this other stuff and I was like oh god thank god I was like I thought they like hated me or they didn't recognize me or they were like who the fuck is this freak waving at me do you know what I mean that was a stupid anecdote wasn't it anyway uh moving on so other difficulties of making friends that people found was as as well with uh COVID sorry I need to burp again with COVID, a lot of universities had to close their campuses and a lot of classes were online. Now, if I was, imagine no freshers week, no rag week. I'm a f- like three time dropout, but I would always go to like freshers weeks of my friends' colleges. So buzzy. They were like the best, th- that was like the best years of my life, like going to freshers or the best time of my life, like going to freshers weeks and rag weeks and all. They were so funny. You'd make so many friends. Um, now, I can't imagine what that's like for people just starting u- university and not being able to do that. I'm sure it's had a huge effect on making friends or seeming like you're excluded from everyone else because 
a lot of people seem to say that people have already established their friend groups and they they don't seem willing to like let new people in or uh, are branching out to make new friends. Whereas I found with even with people who have established a small group of friends or their tight knit circle, people are generally always willing to actually make friends and are open to make friends. It might be a little bit harder or it might seem a little bit harder, but usually people are open to making friends and to making connections with people. If you do have similar interests and they are interested in, or you seem like uh, they're kind of type of person that they're interested in, basically. Uh, Other people said it was hard to trust people coming out of lockdown. I think that's just from overthinking and having like a negative outlook on the world from being alone with your own thoughts. Uh, as well a lot of people had self-deprecating thoughts like I said with the compare comparison comparing yourself that can be horrible having no confidence uh fear of judgment uh, a lot of people said they dropped out I think there was probably a really huge dropout rate from colleges during lockdown because people are just weighing up their priorities and they they may be thinking about missed opportunities of like a gap year where they could have traveled or they actually figured out that they want to live at home with their family and stuff like that so I'd say people went through a lot of huge life changes uh someone said they feels as if there's no permanence to anything um or if can it might if what oh jeez it feels like the rug could be ripped out from underneath them like they could go into another lockdown at any moment that's a horrible feeling too just like imminent your imminent death imminent doom um hard when in a relationship if you base your worth off of your looks now I think this is a common thing I think and definitely with myself I was about to say I think it's a common Moncrief girl thing but I don't want to be categorizing my sisters into the same I'm like roping my sisters into this as well so it makes me seem a bit better but I think it's just it could be just a personalized experience I don't know if other people relate to this but I find it much more difficult I'm sorry, I'm clicking my pen if you can hear that. I find it much more difficult to make friends when I'm in a relationship because, well, number one, I'm like, oh, I'm fulfilling all of my intimacy needs and my social, I'm getting my social fulfillment off my partner, even though I know rationally that that is unhealthy and it's creating a dependency or a codependency on your partner. Um, and you're also not like not progressing as a person and it's good for your relationship if you have your own sense of individuality. I'm, it's good that I've established my really, really close friends now before I got in a relationship with Jason because I feel like me and Jason are so engrossed in each other from just getting engaged and living with each other and being really happy that I would find it so easy to cut myself off from the outside world I would find it so easy to do that and just be like okay I want to do everything with Jason Uh, whereas now that I actually have established really close friendships with other people I want to see those people and have a separate connection uh, you know that's not associated with Jason but before that, before I'd established these close friendships, oh, you know, in other relationships that I've been in, in a, as a teenager or in my earlier 20s, um, I found myself just like getting really attached to my partner. Not, a, not in a, a way that where it would, it would cause conflict in our relationship because I wasn't like, oh, you need to be spending more time with me. It was literally like they were going out and having their own lives, which I was like, yeah, go on. But at the, I wasn't having my own life as well. I was just kind of like waiting at home for them to come come back, um, which is just unhealthy for me. Where was I going with this? But yeah, another reason why it's difficult to make friends is because now I would approach new friendships as if I'm like, flirting but I'm also sometimes I base a lot of my worth on my appearance I'm like 
this person is going to like me. I like this person because we are aesthetically cohesive with each other. We dress similarly. We are on the same rate of like attractiveness. Um, now this is all subconscious and it's only like, I only recognize this because I spend a lot of time, uh, self-reflecting and reading, reading on it. And then I read it and I'm like, Oh God, I kind of do that. I think so I find it a lot more difficult to make connections because I'm like, number one, I, I, th- I feel like I'm fulfilling all of it from my partner. But number two is because like, oh, if this person doesn't find me, I, I don't care if this fr- person finds me attractive because the only person I'm sexually attracted to is my partner. So I'm not going to bother making friends with them, even though that makes no sense, because if you want to make a platonic friendship, it shouldn't have anything to do with your looks at all anyways um so that's just one of my own things oh I, I feel horrible saying that now please someone else tell me that they relate to that because I I feel really bad about myself now anyway um another thing someone said is that they don't like clubbing I think this is another aspect of growing older as well it could be said that as you grow older you're less inclined to like want to go out clubbing or like just you know want to be in those social situations and that's not for everyone but I think the majority of my friends are kind of the same I'm like out of steam I've ran out of steam me and Reese are literally just like we want to stay inside and knit and like he's doing a pottery class do you know what I mean proper wholesome buzz off the two of us but I'd be less inclined to like want to go out clubbing now I want to go like glam drinks do you know what I mean getting locked with like the girly whirlies but not necessarily going out clubbing and like getting fucked up you know maybe once in a blue moon the odd time but that was a lot of like in my early 20s how I made friends was meeting people on nights out and because everyone has like got rid of their inhibitions um by drinking or like being on other substances you get dependent on that and you think that you're really confident and you think you're really out there and really sociable but it's just because you were like on substances or you know you were distracted from your actual top um running internal monologue because you were on drink like you were drunk do you know what I mean um so that can be really hard to find alternatives especially if you are a bit younger and all of your uh, age groups seem to just be doing that it can be really hard at that age but on my age I think more people are steering clear of that and I know even in Ireland that's not even a fucking option it's not even an option to go clubbing so people are going to have to find alternatives I think it is actually much easier to make friends in Dublin though because everyone like I said people are a bit more friendly everyone's on the streets it's in such a tight-knit area tight-knit community but that can be as well in itself um a limit there's a limit to it because it is so small and you can feel like you've already met everyone in Dublin but that could be just for like dating lives too I'm not sure I actually don't know anymore but anyway uh and people said, I can't be myself because I don't know who I am. I think this is a really, really important one because, you know, like I said with the first day school bus, you're just, if you're copying other people's behaviors, you're going to find like, you get, you get so caught up in that when you're left to your own devices, you're like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing. And then you're going to start throwing your toys out of the pram, screaming and crying, throwing a tantrum. But I wasn't just going to record a podcast of me giving out about the negatives and only yeah not giving any tips at the end no siree so I've compiled a little list of how you can make friends um and also a little questionnaire thing at the end because I was trying to research this without having to ask anyone 
I was, you know, using the normal search engines like the Google machine. So I was Googling it like good conversation starters. And I thought that we kind of like a Vogue article or like, you know, ID would be like alternative ways to approach people or like how to get someone's attention. But it, they were all pretty shit. They all, the thing is you don't want it to feel like a job interview where it's like, now tell me about yourself. What's the last job you had? Um, how did you, uh, last time you solved a problem? What, name a, a time where you went above and beyond for the customer. Do you know that kind of buzz? They're all, you know, it's not fun. It's boring. And it's also, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on you and the other person who's answering the questions. So you want to ask questions that are fun, engaging, stuff that you'd like to be asked in return. And also things that you're interested in. So you have a lot of concentration and you can listen. That is the most important thing when approaching new people, trying to make friendships, gain bonds with someone else and be valued as another person in a friendship or a new acquaintance is to listen to the other person. Because I find as well that a lot of the times when I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling a bit uneasy in a social situation. I ramble and I like, I just go on and on and on and on. So I'm just filling in the gaps. So, so there's no silences. And then sometimes I leave a silence because I'm like, oh, maybe they might ask me a question. But then again, I'm just like waiting for them to engage with me rather than me wanting to find out stuff about them. Even though afterwards I'm like full of shame and regret after the whole social situation and that's why my social battery is running out so quickly because I feel shit about it because it wasn't invigorating because I didn't learn anything about the other person I was only just totally focusing on myself and I was like because you don't know how to socialize I'm just not used to it anymore so that's why it was so hard so anyway a few tips that um I asked my sister and I just thought about them myself for a while because I would personally like to have one of my own uh, a questions list that I have I'll take note of it mentally but I think I actually might write it in my notes in my phone just to kind of reiterate and reinforce it so if I am and going into social situations I can use it now for uh, relationships if you want to deepen the connection of your relationship I could do a whole podcast on that because me and Jason are so good at uh cr- like deepening our bond and create being more intimate we do all those uh therapy questions like we did a premarital course not like a paid one like we did an online like asking each other questions buzz uh we play we're not really strangers we have uh like oh just really good could do a whole podcast on that but anyway that's not what we're talking about but that's how I know that I do have the tools to implement them in other relationships in my life but I'm just too much I'm too heavily focused on my actual romantic relationship or intimate relationship at the moment but I will but then again I'm crying in big Tesco and feeling lonely and missing my sisters like what's what's the fucking story there it's pathetic come on Keelan like get you know I'm barely leaving the house today I literally challenged myself it was a beautiful winter crisp morning totally blue sky I was like okay I'm gonna walk down to my there's this cafe down by the canal near me and they sell these vegan danishes with it's a miso maple maple spring and spring onion and sesame seed danish vegan the best thing i've ever tried in my whole life now it is about six pounds for a danish what anyway so i was like okay i'm gonna walk down there and i'm gonna get myself a danish and a coffee and then i'm gonna walk to vicky park stunning i love vicky park seeing all the dogs but i have such an issue of when i leave the house and i'm not with jason i can't have my head eye level I don't know where that came from but I find that I can only I only stare at the ground and I only noticed it because we watched an anime film last night called The Silent Voice and if anyone has seen it it's like your man uh what's his name Shoya Shoya or Shoka I can't 
Sorry, Missy's scratching the door. Anyway, in the film, he suffers the trauma, basically, and he like can't look at people in the eye and only looks down at the ground. And then he finds that when he faces his fears and his trauma at the end, all the X's fall off people's faces and he's able to look them in the eye and see them as people. That's kind of my buzz at the moment. Even though I didn't suffer great trauma, obviously, it's just kind of like it's been an impact a side effect of lockdown and moving to a new country during lockdown. Me and Emer moved to London in November last year in the height, like there was actually a level three lockdown where people couldn't leave their houses, that sort of buzz. Like, what was I thinking? But I think we just wanted to live together. Do you know what I mean? We're, it worked out in the end. But anyways, I'm just going to fucking get into it. So uh, a few tips that other people gave on how to actually make, before I give the questions, is actually how to make friends and how to meet people. Because if you're in a situation like me, where you're not like in an institutionalized setting, like school or a job, it can be hard to like reach out to people, if you, especially if you just moved to a new place. Um, and I know social media is really bad and you should dopamine fast from social media because sometimes people can, it can give the illusion that you are socializing with others or you're fulfilling your needs, but then you're feeling like depressed or you're feeling sad and you don't really know why that's you. It can usually be brought back to a lack of intimacy or, you know, a lack of deep connections in your life because, um, there's a lot of things that can be associated with sadness and it's usually, your work, uh, a work atmosphere, the people in your life and where you live. So if those three pillars are positive, um, I think you can be, uh, what's the thing again? There's some formula to it anyway. I think it's, if two pillars are standing up, you won't have a broken roof, but if just one, it's going to be a faulty, um, faulty stability. Yeah. Lack of stability. Jesus, that was a bit weird. I don't know if I explained that right, but anyway, a way to put yourself out there, a good tool is social media if you aren't meeting people say in a club setting um if you're not meeting people in school and work so what I would do um is to if you are moving to a new place is you can text someone who you know kind of know through social media that lives there so not someone who like I said who has like a million followers and is going to feel like that you're asking them in terms of a google search it's like someone who maybe you know through a mutual friend or it could be someone that like you went to school with or just like the one Irish person that you know that lives in that in that country for example if you are an Irish person, you can be like, do you have any recommendations on where to go? If you do suffer with rejection sensitivity dysphoria, you don't have to be like, let's meet for a coffee. It doesn't have to be uh, a reciprocated like offer to them or a need for, yeah, a need for a reciprocated offer. It just has to be you asking, like just asking for their help. Like that's it plainly. And if you do find at the end of it, it's going good, it's a good conversation and they did help you. You can be like, I would love to meet up with you someday as well, if you have the time. You don't have to follow up on it if you are feeling anxious because sometimes you do have to read the room in terms of like if there's no connection there or they don't want to reciprocate the meeting or the social offering. Um, it's to avoid you getting hurt or to get discouraged from reaching out to other people. You have to do it in a way where it's like it won't discourage you and it's not going to make the other person feel pressured either. Um, so that is a good way. Also, I found that like sharing uh your interests or passions on your story you don't have to be like a very socially like an active person on that active on social media but just like the odd story for example when um me and jason went mad about 
bake off I'd have like friends who I didn't even know watched it text me about it and I'd be like oh this is a good thing that we can talk about and there's no pressure attached to it because it's nothing to do with you or your own life you don't have to be vulnerable it's literally just having a similarity um or it could be like you know drag race it could be uh, a book that you just read um again none of those things have any pressure and it doesn't uh it doesn't, um, there's no need for you to be vulnerable or anything like that. Um, also, it's important to remind yourself that you don't need to impress anyone. Don't force it. Like I said with the thing, yeah, don't be like following up so much with another person to, for them to try and meet up with you. It's just like I would do it once and then if they don't reciprocate it, just take that as they don't want to meet up with you because then it's like you do, it has to be like a equal equal playing field where you reach out first and then they can reach out to you say if they cancelled or whatever it's not to get discouraged but don't be like oh they they hate me it's just their turn to reach out to you um another tip that someone said uh in the questions box actually which i love is to always carry chewing gum or a lighter even if you don't smoke always having a lighter can be a good conversation starter i love sitting in a smoking area even if i don't feel like smoking love sitting in a smoking area because you can hear people talk um take it to know people it's not as loud. It's a bit of a break. Anyway, smoking my brains out as well. Another thing, uh, if you want to take baby steps in like being more confident or trying to be more social, a good way to do that is to compliment strangers. Like I said, with me being such a starer, do you know what I should just start doing so that my staring is justified? I should just start complimenting. I mean, like I, I almost do it on the tube, but then I'm like, oh, what if I'm shouting at them? Because you know the way sometimes it gets real screechy and loud on the central line. If it gets real loud, like imagine I'm shouting over and then the, the tube actually stops and everyone looks at me because I was just screaming on the tube. That's one of my fears. But if I, you know what I mean? Or, because uh, I'm in a good position where I'm not like a scary man. People aren't going to think I'm, I'm about to attack them if I pull my mask down and say something. You know what I mean? I'm an approachable, friendly looking woman. Um, so I, I'm in a, a good position where I can just like approach people on the street and give them a compliment. <laughs> not to generalize but it's like I would be scared if a man walked over to me and pulls his mask down I'd literally like get the f and I was like put that mask up and turn around right now before I get the Glock out do you know what I mean I was like I do have I have a uh, an alarm on my keychain and I will press it um another thing is to embrace discomfort as well a lot of times I'm like okay my friends invited me out now I love the person I'm meeting up with it's not even a new social gathering like it's someone who I love and want to spend time with do you know what I mean but I'm like I could stay in with Missy Moo and watch Drag Race I could do that because that's the easy option it's it, you you know you'll have no level of heightened anxiety it's not going to make you feel you're not going to have to get dressed you're not going to worry about if people can smell you um, there's no risk factor to that at all and that's just the easier option but see that that's the one another thing with that's an instant gratification that's um immediate that's a dopamine hit this is just stay in watch something no chance of like being um being seen or laughed at do you know what i mean but see the thing is the more often you do that, the easier it is to say no to social situations. The longer you do stay inside, the lack, the more lack of in intimacy that you have, the higher chances of becoming depressed and gaining a, gaining a, an anxiety disorder. 
So that is the issue. Now, again, I'm not a registered psychologist, so I, I don't actually have the direct correlation between those things. But I just do know from research that I've uh, acquired on this subject, I know that that is like the end product of you isolating yourself. It's also very important to note that you are, if you are putting yourself out there complimenting strangers and approaching people maybe on nights out or wherever the fuck you are at a pottery class, I don't know. If someone isn't matching the energy that you're giving or if someone comes off as rude or weird because I've done that too where I've complimented a stranger and they've literally been like, why are you talking to me? You absolute scum of the earth. Do you know that kind of way? If someone meets you with that, that is a them problem. Definitely don't get discouraged from that because what you were doing is out of pure niceness and kindness and you weren't looking for a compliment in return. You just wanted them maybe to give a simple thank you or a smile even. Oh God, I remember once I was at a, this is what happened. I was at a concert and there was a couple in front of me and I was like, oh my God, you're such a good looking couple. She turned to her boyfriend and started laughing. Didn't even say thank you or like, hello. She just started laughing very rude I didn't like that now and it was more in a, like a laughing at me way not being like oh my god she's silly and quirky she's like calling us good looking when we're clearly not it wasn't like that they were, were a very good looking couple but they were literally just like why is this person talking to me? why is this toad talking to me oh that was awful anyway um oh yeah another thing is do you know what I'm doing a fitness class girls stop kickboxing I'm going to a kickboxing class on Sunday good night I'm gonna be so strong and hot imagine me kicking a few uh styrofoam mats are you joking Jesus I think it'd be so good as well because I used to spar with my brother when I was like 12 he used to make me and my little sisters fight each other except Searsha would always get a weapon because she was youngest she got a tennis racket so I think I'm pretty agile to do it um it's a women's only class now so I think it will be you know we won't be beating each other up or anything but um very very good I was really good at jujitsu as well when I was in school self-protect mode really good and I was partnered up with um my ex it was my boyfriend at the time but we were partnered up I don't know why they were doing no maybe they did it on purpose where it was like different genders with each other anyway I was partnered up with my boyfriend at the time who actually ended up being like emotionally and physically abusive but anyway uh, we were jujitsuing with each other and he basically like pinned me to the ground and then the teacher was like no we're not supposed to be like actually pinning you know what I mean being dangerous and then the teacher basically like got him in a chokehold and was like how does that feel and he was like choking him out and I was like okay loved it anyway and then the teacher like pulled me aside and he was like do you want to join um toned and fit jujitsu class I'm the teacher and I was I don't know if he meant that in a, in a like you're, you have potential way or if he, he was like you need extra help and you need to be saved probably the latter to be honest um anyway another thing is to remember people's names very very important I think I have a really good innate skill at remembering people's names because I repeat it straight back to them when they say it to me really good at remembering people's names um and it has worked in my favor because people actually find it surprising when you remember their name um yeah Okay, next one is... Oh yeah, another thing to like relieve anxiety before you go into a social setting is to practice mindfulness. I've talked about this before. I can't do it. I, I, I really can't. I'm not... It's not in my... Um, I just can't. I'm, I literally can't do it. My mind races, so I can't practice mindfulness really. How I do in different ways practice mindfulness is not like through meditation or anything, but it is probably like crocheting or reading because you're I'm 
solely focusing on one thing because you can't think about other things you can't think about other things when you're reading because um otherwise you won't you won't be paying attention to what you just read and you'll have to read it over and over and over again to actually absorb the information that you're reading so reading is a good way to be mindful um personally and also crocheting because you know you're counting and you're like you'll lose count of things if you are letting your mind race now on to the best part wait okay on to the important stuff so this these are the questions that I put together uh get ready to take some notes now these are things obviously it's down to the individual on what questions they feel comfortable answering and also what questions you feel comfortable asking this is in relation to what qualities you find redeemable in a friendship because I like someone I can be vulnerable with I like someone that I know a lot about their personal life and we can talk about our emotions and our feelings with each other um I'm usually one of the commonalities between uh, me and my friendships with other people is usually a tumultuous family background uh it's usually a common theme with our conversations we're like talking about our families and like fucked up how fucked up they are but I think that is actually very like I don't believe that people have normal boring families you know everyone's family is kind of fucked up um but it's just how willing the person is to reveal that about themselves because one thing I don't get along with um not that it's a negative thing a lot of people are more reserved like I said or people would find this invasive and they they uh, value their privacy with stuff like that but I wouldn't get along with someone who makes it out as if everything is perfect you know everything is going great in their life and they only talk about the positive things I'm not really interested in that sort of friendship because it just feels one-dimensional to me and it's not something I would want um and I think the demographic of my podcast listeners would be the same because I'm the type of person who is very very vulnerable on the internet and actually pretty transparent I would like to believe so I think that yous would agree with these kind of questions but when I was asking my sister um she said like because we have similar tastes and friends and I think we'd have similar approaches and like making friends too or like how we talk to people and she was saying that sometimes she feels as if she's being a bit invasive with these questions so it is okay obviously if someone doesn't feel comfortable asking but one of the things that I would um do when meeting a new person or getting to know someone is that you're reciprocating the same level of vulnerability so again there isn't like a huge disparity in how much you know about each other because there has to be an equal playing field in a relationship or it just won't work um I've had to like I've lost friendships over the years because it just, I just felt like a therapist or I was getting drained from it so I just had to distance myself because um friendships you know obviously you go through stages where one person needs more help than the other and that's totally fine but when it's like a constant recurring theme it just feels more like um they're an appendage but a negative one you know rather than uh, someone nice to have in your life or that's someone that you love respect and appreciate if you're feeling like you're getting walked all over or that you're acting as a therapist for them it's just unequal and it's not going to work out in the long run. You need to feel respected and appreciated on both sides of a friendship, I think, anyway. So to just remember to be vulnerable so that they can reciprocate. Um, again, like I said earlier in the podcast, make sure to listen. It doesn't have to be in this running order. Like this interview, it doesn't have to be like a a Graham Norton interview where there's very regimented questions or the amount of questions that you have to get uh, answered in a short period of time. It's like answer follow-up questions depending on what they just said. 
um, because that's a skill that people don't really know either. They're just like waiting for their turn to speak or they want to, they want to know something about something else quickly. Um, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying I'm excluded from this. I definitely do that as well myself, or I find it hard sometimes to like ask follow-up questions. I can end up talking about myself or being like trying to relate myself to the story rather than just asking them a follow-up question to, um, show them how I'm listening or how I was engaged to what they just said rather than being like well I did this you know what I mean um that's what I have the podcast for to just talk about myself for an hour uninterrupted well um okay uh, yeah so just have a having a genuine curiosity in the other person's life and to not be too invasive that's literally it so the questions are number one tell me about your love life now this would be usually I would usually word this as do you have any gossip um or if you'd know a little bit about usually if I am a kind of know someone I'm on their close friends on Instagram maybe they share a little bit there I'm like I will ask it in referral to that I'd be like what happened to the last person you were seeing any updates um what's it like on hinge these days any funny dating stories dating disasters when's the last time you had sex now a lot of people would find that invasive being like tell me about your sex life whereas I want a friendship where we can go into detail being like you know what did, what did his wee wee look like do you know what I mean um Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, okay, next one is a talking point, which is an easy one, but again, it's not it's not really deepening the connection, but it's just more like a stress-free one where you don't feel anxious answering it or asking it. And that is about asking them about pets. Now, I could go on, obviously, you probably know from listening to the podcast, I could go on for hours about Missy Moo. Like, she literally just, like, does normal cat things and I'll be like Jason Jason look quick quick look at her look at her quick quick she'll be asleep and I'll be like look 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 quick 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 look at her look at her and then be like sending pictures to my mom do you know what I mean she doesn't even like my mom hates cats do you know anyway so pets is a good one uh people usually open up are very vulnerable about their pets people love animals so like and if you want a friendship if you love animals you want a friend that loves animals too uh now, funny enough, Ellie Moncrief, actually, I'm outing her in this podcast, Ellie Moncrief isn't a big fan of pets. She says that she thinks that people are pretending to love their dogs. She's like, people are putting that on for attention, which I find hilarious. Um, so that's her buzz, anyway. Another thing to ask about, again, which is stress-free, no pressure, easy to answer, is like the last movie you watched, the last book you read, or what book you're reading at the moment, or if you have any recommendations um, of like series or whatever. Um... It, make sure not to ask too vague questions being like oh or like stuff that might take them a while to answer because that can make especially if people are socially anxious or if they've been socially withdrawn for a long time per, like personally if someone asked me like what's your favorite thing of this it would take me ages to think about it and be like uh, this is putting so much pressure on me to answer answer perfectly like they might hate me if I say something wrong you know you have to question make the question word the question in a way where there can't be any wrong answers or they don't feel any um they don't feel any pressure to answer like what what's the last movie you watched is like very objective it's not like a what's your favorite movie whereas what your favorite movie is like people it might take people a long time to think about it and it might put them in a lot like their palms will start sweating and or, or they might get diarrhea do you know um next one then is what's your oh yeah this is what i said earlier if you're moving to a new area text someone being like what's your favorite cafe or restaurant or like where's the local library where's your pl- favorite place to go for a drink that sort of shit uh, I love this one. What job would you want if money were no object? Now, people always ask me this on nights out and I always say I don't dream of labour because I basically, do, I would see myself as like, I don't have a job. Do you know what I mean? I can pick my own hours. Um, 
people don't really take it seriously even though I do have a steady income and I am technically working but it just doesn't feel like work for me because it's more of a self and self-indulgent career um so I personally I'm like the next the how to transcend this then is to not work at all is to just you know have money on incoming and to not do anything that seems like the lazy option but that is my actual true honest answer to be honest um now I'd love to do side projects but I see I can do that stuff already you know like creatively express myself um write a book you know make a film I I can already do that but it's like as an actual career job um even though I know those things are jobs in itself but I have the ability to do those things already oh geez why am I answering I'm like this isn't an interview Keelan come on um Next question, which is my favorite, is what's the relationship with your parents like? Now, this could be you and your parents, or it could be the relationship between the two of your parents. Oh, always such a good conversation starter. You could go on for hours and hours and hours. That's a total therapy session. Or what's the relationship like with your siblings? Sometimes people don't have siblings, because so that can't be an option. But I love the relationship with your parents, Buzz. Um, next then is who's your closest friend and what do you like about them? Give them the room to answer about if they have a few friends, um, they can answer about a few of them. And alternatives of asking how are you because that's a bit of a vague question like obviously people are just going to give you a one-word answer but if you're genuinely interested and you genuinely genuinely want to know more more likely is more likely that they're going to answer um honestly if you word it in a different way so it could be are you stressed about anything at the moment or what are your stress levels like are you getting on well in your job um how do you feel within yourself how do you speak to yourself or treat yourself? Are you having any negative self-talk? Do you feel secure in yourself? Um, or are you comfortable in your skin? They were like, that's something that I'd want. You have to think about it uh, from a different perspective. Would you want someone else to ask you those questions as well? Do you know? And you have to be willing to answer in return if they reciprocate the question. Uh, next question is, where do you want to live or settle down in the future? Have you been ever, have you been ever fired from a job? And that could be under like, what do you do for a career? It's basically, you kind of have to treat it as a, as a first date, but like without all the flirting, you know? So, oh God, sorry, got a burp. So yeah, um, have you ever been fired? I obviously have a good one under my sleeve for that one because I have been fired from a job before. But usually, usually people have been fired. Um, I don't have any friends, like I don't have any friends who's who have never had a job before. Like, I find that so weird. People who've never had a job. Crazy. No, I know myself, I'm like, I don't dream of labor. I'm like on that boat now. But, you know, I've worked, I've done my, I've done de- devil's work, uh, hospitality, uh, retail during Christmas time. I've done it all. So, you know what I mean? I can put things into perspective and say that I don't want to do those things ever again. Whereas, like, when people haven't worked in hospitality, I'm like, where did you learn your manners? Or, like, to treat uh, people with, basic human decency I mean I had all those things before because I have good parents but um a lot of the time people don't have anywhere to learn that if they haven't worked in the job themselves I think it should be like a rite of passage that every human should work in hospitality or retail especially middle class um women with a short haircut if your name is Susan or Karen or what's a common one I can't think. Maybe Mary? No. There's loads of Marys in my life that I like. Okay. Um, next question 
is what would you do if you won one million? Now, whatever currency, obviously, of the place that you live. Or you could do, what would you do if you won 100 million? It ups the ante and it, it lets people use a bit more creativity. Now, if you have someone who's like, oh, I don't know. Like, you've never thought about that before. That per- Like, I would never want to be friends with someone who was like that. They're like, I don't know to that question. What? Have you never thought of that before? Anyway. Okay, so that is the end of this podcast. Like I say in every episode, I do have a Patreon if you want to support me because I can't monetize the podcast. This is all just my own work and time that I'm putting into this. I'm doing it free of charge, ATM. But only, of course, if you can afford it, it would help me out a lot. Um, Because I would like to retire from YouTube because I'm just over, to be honest. And that's the only way I can monetize my content. Um, I could technically just upload my podcast onto YouTube like as a long thing. Oh yeah, I didn't think of that. Um, but if you would like to support me and you can afford it, you're paying for the other people who can't afford it. And um, what else did I want to say? I think that's it. Thanks so much for everyone who contributed on my stories. Thanks so much to everyone who's always supported me. And again, with the Spotify wrapped thing, it's crazy. And I hope everyone's enjoying the podcast because I love making them. I love making them so much and I hope to continue and I hope this podcast was helpful because that's all I could all I could want from a pod I think I might just raw dog this one and not edit it but the sound might be fucked I need I'm getting a pop a pop shield for um a pop shield soon for my mic because I know that the the peas are a bit fucked on this mic because I don't have a pop shield so sorry if it's a bit harsh listening I'm trying my best until next time love you all